Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points NBA show. I am your uh, let's see, what do I want to call myself this time? Um, vape God. There's there's a vape next to me. That that's appropriate. Uh, Rudy St. Clair. And joining me today is the one and only Rusty Buckets. How you doing today, Rusty? Uh, I was doing great until you called yourself a vape god. I don't vape. It's not my vapes. They're just here. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today we're going to be uh, going over uh, game one and doing a little bit of game two preview. So hope you enjoy Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy. And of course, uh, subscribe to Rusty Buckets on YouTube and uh, follow him on Twitter at Rusty Buckets 321. Uh, so you've been doing OK other than my vape god comment that that, you know, yeah. That's Channel's good. doing well, so I'm in a good mood. That's pretty much the what I base the entirety of my happiness on. So, <laughs> which is a very healthy behavior. No, as long as the channel's doing well, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure not to try to sabotage your channel for a prank because I know how directly connected it is to your uh, your humanity. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, game one. What's this? Just your gut reaction. What are, What are your thoughts? Just off the top of your head, how did you feel? Because um. I think anyone who listens to my show should know how I feel because I recorded my feelings in real time and I about cried just out of pure joy every time Mark touched <laughs> the ball. Uh, so how, well, how, how do, do I feel about, about the result or how do I feel about, you know, what I wanted to happen? Uh, I mean, are those things really separate in any meaningful way? <laughs> A little bit. All right. Uh, go ahead. Uh, feel free to explain. Because expectations versus what you want are not always the same. Um, in terms of what I wanted, I changed my Twitter name to Raptors fan since the final started. So <laughs> it's pretty clear who I'm rooting for. Mm-hmm. If I didn't love Kawhi Leonard so much and Kevin Durant wasn't going to get a ring if the Warriors won the series, I probably would be pretty neutral. But the last thing I want is Kevin Durant to get a ring from not even fucking playing. <laughs> so... um yeah, that so I was happy the Raptors won. Um, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say that um, I uh, haven't really been uh, playing too much 2K in the past year, but when I do, I play 2K11 on my 360, and uh, I just had this one association mode where my goal was just to fix LeBron's legacy because that is just a perfect point to do it. And um, yep. the only major failure of the whole experiment was a uh, part of his uh seven rings uh one of them came in a series in which he didn't play <laughs> so that that adds a lot of a lot of uh nuance to the the hypothetical the, uh, debate there the average 17 points versus the Mavs still or did you fix that <laughs> no no i fixed that for sure yeah that was kind of a bad one yeah um, that's, a, that's exactly so the in, right terms, in terms of uh being like what i expected i'm i wasn't shocked that the Raptors won especially on their home court Mm -hmm. I think my well I don't know if you want me to go into predictions for the series yet but I think basically I'll explain later when we get to that but my prediction for the series is it goes seven games and the Warriors went game seven on the Raptors court home court I think everything outside of that it's going to be 
whoever has home court advantage wins. Um, although I could see the Warriors beating them in game two. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass here. Hey, um, we all are. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I will take my cookie whenever for talking shit about how stupid people were to say that Pascal Siakam would get shut down by Draymond Green because <laughs> uh, he had an amazing game. Best um, other than that, I was surprised that Leonard did so poorly uh, and surprised that even though he did so poorly, the Raptors were still able to control the game for pretty much all of it not only did they win but they were you know it wasn't really i mean there was times where the score was like three or four points but it never felt like the raptors were losing control and that's important yeah absolutely i think um basketball is kind of similar to soccer in that way and um you know even just looking at the scoring summaries the box scores and whatever you can never really tell who has control over the game unless you're actually watching it. And watching that game, the Raptors were definitely in total control the entire game, even when it was within three points with like nine minutes left or whatever. It felt like it should have been a 10-point lead at that point. Uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, I, uh, My biggest surprise for the whole thing, honestly, was that Fred Van Vliet managed to play as good as he did on the defensive side of the equation. Uh, here's a, a fun little factoid I heard across a couple of different podcasts. It's probably like some synergy stat or whatever. I don't know how to actually track down these sorts of advanced numbers. Uh, but Fred Van Vliet has uh, guarded Curry uh, 72 possessions out of the matchups they've had this season, uh, including the one regular season game, which Curry played against the Raptors. And of course, game one. And in both of those games, Curry went one of six from the field with, uh, you know, the five and a half foot tall Fred Van Vliet on him. And so I thought, He's not that. that short. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm confusing Steady Freddy with myself. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't you the little man? <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the manlet of NBA Twitter. What can I say? Yeah, so he's, I think he's like 5'11 or 6 foot. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's pretty well built, so he's not like skinny. He's pretty strong, so that matters. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised by that, though, because no one really thinks of defense when they think of Fred Van Vliet. Not that he's bad, but it's kind of like DeMar DeRozan, where uh, you don't really have an opinion one way or the other on his defense. You're just like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, he's definitely turned into like the modern Corey Joseph between like the massive playoff drought and then like the surprising defense for a season. Uh, I mean, not even a season. This <laughs> The finals isn't a season. I meant series, but whatever. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I mean, I jokingly call him Steady Freddy <laughs> just because he's, he's uh, kind of a streaky guy the way I see it. But, man, ever since he had his second child, Freddie Jr., he, is, he has just been oh, so absolutely on that's fire. sarcastic because I was like, I'm pretty sure he's been pretty damn inconsistent in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Steady is not the term I would use. I, I actually um, – um, I, I lifted that from a Dolan meme I saw <laughs> where it was uh, like a sequel to uh, a Raptors goons versus uh, LeBron Dolan comic where it was like, don't worry, LeBron, we're going to take you down this year. We have a LeBron stopper. And then it's just P.J. Tucker going, please stop. And LeBron saying no. <laughs> and then it's like, oh. oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, the follow up to like that really, was like really poorly drawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and like Microsoft style. Paint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was a follow up to that where it's just uh, after PJ Tucker left, but they still had like the bench mob. It was just everyone, including a guy named Steady Freddy, going pulls stop. <laughs> and Braun still saying no. Uh, any other big surprises other than um, you know the disappointment of Kawhi's performance uh, and Steady as Freddy? As soon as I as soon as I saw the game start. I saw Danny Green was in the starting lineup. I was literally like, "Really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah." Really? I, I, we. Uh... Why is he still starting at this point? <laughs> and then he had the best game he's had all playoffs. There's something close to it. Yeah, man. Me and you can definitely take a direct responsibility for that because everything the fans do, both at home and in the stadium, have a direct impact on the outcome of the game. And of course. <laughs> we uh we uh reverse jinxed him big time because I replied to you when you tweeted that and said something along the lines of, "I mean, he's at least." Six fouls, you know, that's valuable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't need that at all. I, yeah, I mean, Norman Powell and Van Vliet thoroughly outplayed them for the entire, outplayed him for the playoffs, but. Yeah. And Norman Powell didn't even have, hasn't even had a good playoffs. Like, he hasn't had some big game or even a major hot streak. He's just kind of been there and has been, uh, you know, he's looked like a he Wayne had, Seldon. He had guy. some moments versus the Bucks. He yeah. had some moments where it was like, wow, I didn't know he could do that. Like, he hit a couple of pull-up threes out of the pick-and-roll and, and mid-range pull-ups. I'm like, I didn't think Fred Van Vliet could do that shit. Or not Fred Van Vliet, uh, Norman Powell. Yeah, the old, the old Norm. Norman's career has been weird because as a rookie, as a second-round pick, it was like, wow, this guy's really good for a second-round pick. And then the next year, is this his second or third season? I think this is his third. I'm not 100% yeah. sure about that. Yeah, so like but. next year, the next two years, he hasn't really played that much. He's only getting like garbage time or playing like 10, 15 minutes a game. And then in these playoffs and then parts of like towards the end of this season, I remember he was like doing really well. So he's weird. He, he really reminds me of this guy that I wish was still in the league. Do you remember KJ McDaniels? Oh, yeah, dude. Fucking Tankadelphia, man. He should have I had so much more success. I love KJ McDaniels, and he just disappeared from the NBA. The Rockets killed him, man. Yeah. Um, KJ was a good bit more athletic than Norman, but their games are kind of similar to me. KJ's got to be in some foreign league absolutely running the show, you know, just yeah. demolishing China or whatever, because he, he's perfect miss, for that. I miss KJ. <laughs> yeah. He was, um, he was one of my favorite process sixers for sure. I feel like uh, I feel like uh, if they needed to sign someone for the minimum this offseason, Philadelphia would probably gladly have him back. <laughs> um, Maya, let's see. Do you have any disappointments? Because uh, uh, other than Kawhi, I would say for me, it's mostly just Andre Iguodala, the iguana getting hurt, and Kyle Lowry. I didn't know, he, I didn't know he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, wincing at one point. I don't. Th- think there's been any report of him missing game two but it's definitely something to look out for uh i would say he's probably less hurt than Kawhi, but you know Kawhi's is a lot more important he's gonna stay out Kawhi's a robot he's just gonna re- get a replacement part and he'll be good <laughs> yeah definitely I-, I swear i think he has like a very serious injury that like he's kind of hiding like I-, I feel like the whole spurs debacle thing with you know that that organization not really respecting his own opinion about his body. I think that's sort of still an existing conundrum for Kawhi Leonard, where he's only pushing through that that injury now. 
when it really, really matters. Because he's not playing full speed out there. At least I don't think so. So, any disappointments beyond all that for you? Uh, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. Did you, did you think he had a bad game? Because I didn't. No, I don't think he had a bad game at all. And I think people who say he had a bad game didn't watch the game. <laughs> I was looking at the box score. There's this old thing. that There's this game that Larry Bird had in the playoffs. I don't know what specific game or what team, but he made some statement about it that uh, that's always stuck with me. It kind of reminds me of Kobe in Game 7 versus the Celtics in 2010 as well. If shooting poorly from the field or not scoring a whole lot of points doesn't necessarily equal playing a bad game. What is a bad game is when you don't do what you're supposed to do. You make mistakes constantly. You take dumb shots. If you play the game the same way that you always do and you just miss your shots this time more than you make, that's still a good game. Like Larry Bird had a game in the playoffs where he was like four for 19, but he pulled 20, pulled down 20 rebounds, played great defense and got like a couple of assists as well. And people were like, oh, Larry Bird had a terrible game. He shot so poorly from the field, but it was like he did what he could to what he had going for him for that day. So in my, in my opinion, having a bad shooting night and then still having a big impact, if anything, is more impressive than having a really good scoring night efficiently. Yeah, I could definitely agree with you 100%. Uh, although I do think that uh, some people might flame you on Twitter if you put that into a tweet format and mention Kyle Lowry and Larry Bird in the same sentence. <laughs> it's not about the comparison. <laughs> yeah, yes, no. Kyle Lowry is basically as good, if not better, than Larry Bird. Just post that on Twitter without context. <laughs> that, that'll be how I hype this episode right before I tweet it. <laughs> Rusty Bucket says... Kyle Lowry is better than Larry Bird? Question mark in the title. <laughs> yep, little audio clip of you saying exactly that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm looking at the box score here, and uh, you know, I'm not really big into certain statistics. Like, I think VORP, for example, has some fundamental flaws to it. But you know, people the who most are... advanced stats are stupid. Yeah, <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> for there, sure, there are way too many. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There are way too many variables that are out of a player's control for so many advanced stats. For sure. Like you have to have like a really good theoretical framework to like insert the statistics into with like really good reason before you just throw the numbers out there. And so with uh, me throwing out this uh, very non-advanced stat, but it's sto still sort of advanced. Like I feel like the average player, excuse me, the average fan doesn't really care about plus minus very much. When you look at the box score and you see that Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and Kawhi Leonard all led the team with plus 11. You can, it's it's hard to dispute that in combination with Kyle Lowry's poor shooting performance when he also had a 3 to 1 assist to turnover ratio and got, you know, half a dozen rebounds. Like that's that's a good game. That I mean I agree he had a a good game, but plus minus especially when it's just from one game is far too again too many variables like simply being on the court while your team is doing well and you having a little influence on that you'll end up having a positive plus minus like pascal siakam obviously played better than kyle lowry but you just said he had a lower plus minus than kyle lowry did 
So right. even then, I think plus minus in the long term, like after, over a whole season, I think plus minus is valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also depends a lot on if your team has a good bench. Because if your team has a good bench, the starters don't seem as impactful as they are. Right. Um, right. And that's why I think value over replacement player is one of the dumbest advanced stats. Because that's literally like, if you have a shitty backup, then <laughs> your team, you're going to have a better value over a replacement player than someone who has a good backup. Like, I, I, I made a video on... Uh, Russ's 2017 MVP and someone brought up value over replacement player for uh, the reason why Russ should have won. And it's like James Harden had a six man of the year backing him up. <laughs> Russell Westbrook had Norris Cole and that Christensen guy. <laughs> like that's not a comparable situation at all. Yeah. Both of which are like backups for Raymond Felton, <laughs> who is yeah, like not close to the same tier as a, as a Lou Williams and, and whatnot. Um, it's, it's interesting to me to look at plus minus and, and, and whatnot and like think about advanced stats, but I can't, I don't, I can't put too much stock into them on their own. Like you look at Vorp and it makes LeBron look like he is by far and away the undisputed greatest of all time, hands down, no questions asked because he leads that statistic so much more significantly than anybody else ever. It's like a yeah, ten or twenty how point many mark. Great, I don't. I don't think LeBron has ever played on a team with a good bench in his career, like straight up. That's the problem. I don't think he, his teams have always been. And, and and Cleveland in the first time, he just had a bunch of teammates who sucked, pretty yeah. much without fail, outside of a handful of guys. And then in Miami, and then Cleveland the second time, the team was way too high in cap because they had two other all-star players on the roster and a bunch of other shitty contracts shout out to Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith. And <laughs> so the a problem for LeBron teams has always been the bench. So it's hard to say, you know, value over replacement player, uh, Jordan, you know, for example, since those two are always being compared, uh, had Tony Kukoc off of the bench for a good amount of his career. That's a really damn good six man. And I bet you, he filled in for Jordan a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? Michael Jordan is the second leader of all time. Yeah, I figured fourth. he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I believe LeBron, Michael, and one or two other players are the only guys with Vorps over 100. And Michael's is like 105 or something like that. And LeBron's is like 119. Like, it's an insane yeah. difference. And Kukoc probably single-handedly brought that number down for Michael yeah. Very significantly. Uh, Although, there, this, the Ku coach was only there for like four or five years of his career, so you can't really say it was... I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how the math works out, so like I said... <laughs> I don't know if a 14-point difference is massive or like, eh, all right. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, it's hard to tell. <laughs> me and, this, this might be premature to announce, but me and uh, Mojo99 are starting a podcast and probably one of the first ones we do is going to be uh, LeBron versus MJ. So I'll Hell save yeah. some of that for later. Yeah, please do. That sounds like it's going to be good shit. Hell yeah. He's a, 
he's a big LeBron stan, and I am a big not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you you and Mojo are some some of the cooler dudes on NBA YouTube for sure. That's a that's a perfect um, pairing. <laughs> um, one one big surprise from a game one for me, I guess to get a little bit back on track, is uh the mark on Steph action. That that was the most entertaining bit of it all for me was seeing probably about two minutes at the bottom of the second quarter where it was just Mark Gasol versus Stephen Curry. <laughs> and like, I don't think any expert in NBA, anything, Twitter, uh, oh, traditional so you mean media, like who's anything. anchoring their team, not like, for no, like legitimately other. the individual like matchup. are going to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just, they killed each other for two minutes at the end of the second quarter. There was a, a mismatch in the low post, uh, whereas Mark on Steph and he just made a quick turnaround Jay and immediately Steph looked like he was just like an angry seven year old playing 2K and holding down sprint and charging at the basket with the point guard, except that for whatever reason, Mark was just happened to be the nearest defender and Steph blazed by him, put him in jail behind him and drew a foul, almost got an and one. And then about a minute oh, later, yeah, I'm remembering this now. Yeah, yeah. Then about a minute later, Mark got away with a reach in with about ten seconds left and swatted the ball upwards into the stands and stopped the clock with two seconds left. And I was like, "Oh man, no one thought that Mark versus Steph was going to be a matchup that mattered." But clearly, it's very important. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know you got a big old boner for Marcus Saul. Giant boner for Marcus Saul. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not even just Mark. It's the the idea of Mark. The 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 concept of like the spirit of the whole grit and grind era is just being carried by the seven foot Spaniard that you know angered the team in the past for Toronto right now is so exciting. You know, he said to the to the press at some point, I don't know exactly who he said it to, but like, you know, I'm doing this for all my former Grizzlies teammates. This isn't verbatim, but he said something along the lines of like, I'm doing this for all my old teammates, Mike, Tony, uh, Zach, especially. Yeah, that. yeah that, that, that made my heart warm and fuzzy. Like I just got yeah, they, a double shot of whiskey. Rings, <laughs> hey man, if <laughs> I think uh, if, Toronto manages to fuck up this series. I think the first move they make is just a Kyle Lowry for Mike Conley swap. <laughs> Cause why not? <laughs> fuck it. I think legend of winning discussed that he did. It was like, uh, they should swap Kyle from Mike just because Mike doesn't really fumble in the playoffs and he's more reliable than Kyle Lowry. Even though Lowry overall has had good playoffs, He's had like three games where it was like, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yep. And those those games will haunt him the rest of his career. The NBA, I feel more than any other sport, uh, has a stronger bias towards just the reputation of a player rather than the actual output that they have. You know, Kyle yeah. Lowry has like three. And I think heads. they also love pulling up receipts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of the appeal of the NBA is like a the the real world drama element of it all you know it's like a reality tv show and a sport oh hell yeah so <laughs> i'm fucking drowning with only with having to go two days in between each game i'm suffering <laughs> hey i mean freaking there was a week off between uh the the conference finals and the finals and all NBA Twitter had to talk about was just NBA Twitter shit and bringing up receipts with a freaking O-ring scout guy. Ah. Oh my god. Let's <laughs> let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a sec. We're getting... I dead ass thought it would be I I almost made a video on that whole thing just because it was so funny to me. Yeah, that shit was hilarious, man. I I I uh 
I, I feel like slightly involved in it <laughs> just because like I'm one of the I tried to get involved in it like it was like he was a bear and I was trying to poke it and he just wasn't responding you read <laughs> like, I literally just added him and then just said you suck just to piss him off <laughs> yeah that, that was great did you see his uh his 5,000 word manifesto on his website no you should give it a read it's kind of fucking insane and the last line of it is pretty haunting i don't remember exactly what it was but it left me feeling uneasy <laughs> well did you see this is the one that i had a really you know i just laughed my ass off on where you know his burner account yeah uh, he's literally with his burner account said that himself could get any woman that he wanted to because he was an NBA, former NBA scout. <laughs> he was like, I, uh, did, you, did you, did you see that one? Yeah. Yeah. It was something along okay, the lines okay. of like, a, who do you think a girl's going to choose the guy with a replica Jersey or the guy with the team, uh, uh, distributed quarter zip and an Apple watch, but, uh, taking a phone call on it before it was cool or something like that. I was like, Yo, this guy's deranged. <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, I don't, I don't want to slander him I'm too running, much. He's probably I'm running fine. Out of video ideas. I might go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should just, you should definitely uh, consider breaking down his manifesto because he yeah. tries to like my. I don't think he's a bad guy. That's that's my thing. Like I think he's mostly. No, I, I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm a I tend to be very charitable towards people. It's uh because even if you're if you're trying to make people out to be good people and yet they still managed to just be shitty then you know it's not your fault you know what i mean so i'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt my thesis is that he just is very overconfident because of his knowledge of the x and o's factor you know but he is just a really shitty media communicator like he doesn't know how to tweet he doesn't know how to write his videos i generally have like zero respect for people who will literally go out of their way to say, I know more than you, unless it's like blatantly obvious. Like it's the biggest dumbass in the world. And he's like being an asshole. Then you can be like, yeah, I know more than you. Like I dubs did that when in his, uh, um, content cop against Keemstar. He's yeah, like literally yeah. like, I know more than I'm smarter than you. And I'm like, yeah, you're allowed, you're allowed that one. But <laughs> If he like had just has a disagreement with somebody, he's like, shut up. I know more than you. <laughs> my, my favorite part about the whole debacle is that, that that just seems to be his default response to like an opposing argument. <laughs> like he just argues from authority. <laughs> he's like, listen, yeah, it makes it seem like you don't actually have a good, a strong point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a logical fallacy. You know, you spend, you know, two days in a philosophy class in college or what the fuck ever. And that's one of the first things you learn is just the list of fallacies and from authority is one of them. Um, yeah. So what is a, your authoritative prediction for game two? <laughs> I see. Uh, that was a nice, nice little segue. I think I'm proud of myself. if Kawhi bounces back, has a good game like he has been. Um, and then Pascal has a comparable performance uh to game one mm -hmm. um i think uh definitely raptors win that it doesn't have to be as ridiculous but just be like you know have a good game pascal uh so x factor would have to be Kawhi leonard i mean that's you know not a huge shocker uh i think the only thing missing from game one was Kawhi playing really well uh and i think if 
the Raptors can repeat what they did in game one. Uh, Pascal having a good game doesn't have to be like a 13 of 15 performance again, but, you know, 20 points on decent efficiency, and Kawhi has his now standard 30 points on really good efficiency. If, you know, Kawhi shows up and plays well, Pascal has another good game, I think the Raptors win pretty easily. But if either Pascal reverts back to some of the questionable games that he's been having in the playoffs, or Kawhi struggles again, possibly because of injury, who knows? I think the Warriors are going to win because I think Curry is going to come back and feel more impactful than his stats indicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Clay Thompson is going to be more than just there. Like the thing with Steph in game one was he had 30 points, but you didn't really feel like he had 30 points. He had a couple of moments, but like his like feeling like, you know, having a moment where it's like, oh yeah, the Warriors can take this one. He was pretty much just scoring because obviously someone had to score. Not in a way that was like, it's hard to explain. No, Not no. in a way that was like uh, uplifting the Warriors to make a run. So if he has, I think he's going to be more like that in game two. And I think if Clay Thompson really shows up, because in game one, he didn't play bad, at least statistically, I don't think he did. But he also, like, with KD out, he needs to step up. And I don't felt like I don't feel like he stepped up in game one. So if he does that, Curry feels more impactful, and either Pascal or Kawhi are just mediocre. Then I definitely give that to Warriors, and I would probably predict Raptors in game two by a slim margin. Because I think it's going to be a little bit of a mix of both of the scenarios, and it's going to end up being a close game. And like I said earlier, I think it's just going to come down to home court advantage. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, a very, very significant factor for me as well, is this Toronto crowd. They are coming to play themselves. Like The Warriors have the Oracle and, like, the Bay Area. <laughs> the Raptors have a fucking country. And the entirety of pretty much every other NBA fan base in the world backing them up. So there's some, uh, in terms of, you know, not that being the villain equals losing, but in terms of feeling support, the Raptors definitely got a lot more of that than the Warriors do. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, speaking of Clay Thompson, I feel like he came out really aggressive from the jump, like about as aggressive as I've ever seen Clay. Yeah, Thompson but it play. felt like he just went reverted back to normal. Yeah. yeah like that's he got those two typical dunks. typical of Clay Thompson. Like <laughs> MEO pointed this out in a video. Like sometimes they just go to Clay Thompson early and get him started. And then it just reverts back to normal. And that's weirdly something that the Bulls in 2016 used to do with Taj Gibson. Like, Taj would always score, like, 14 points a game, and he'd score, like, 10 of them in the first quarter every fucking time. <laughs> it was just really funny. Maybe he just got gassed so, and didn't really have the uh, the energy to efficiently make buckets, you know, at the end of the game. Because I feel like even if you're if you're gassed, you know, you can still put an effort on defense, kind of sacrifice your body a little bit. But actually putting the ball in the basket takes a certain level of finesse. And to get that finesse, you need to have your reserve energy. Uh, well, especially because Taj Gibson offensively, if he's going one-on-one, it's post-ups. And post-ups are tiring. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can speak from my middle school experience. Posting <laughs> up is exhausting. 
Oh yeah. It's probably the most tiring thing outside of running back and forth that you can do on a basketball court. As long as you have a good matchup that is. Yeah. Shoot. And, uh, with the dubs, I mean, they're probably going to exhaust themselves until Kevin Durant comes back. I kind of hope that he doesn't come back uh, for, I mean, if I had it my oh, way. 100%. Just, 100%. Yeah, yeah, if I had it my way, it'd be the whole guy. series. But I, I would like to see him not come back until like a game four, or game five. Uh, but if he came back game three and was like hobbling around, that wouldn't be too bad either. But I mean, Kevon Looney is getting 28 minutes a game and Jordan Bell is starting so I don't. I, I Kevon Looney does Looney. Kevon <laughs> Looney deserves twenty eight minutes a game. Get, give the man forty eight minutes a game. He deserves <laughs> that shit. Yeah. There's no negative in Kevon Looney getting minutes. He's really good. Yeah. I mean, he's probably in like a Clint Capella type situation where he's really benefiting from the system more than he is actually talented. But mm. I mean, it's not like that really matters to the Warriors right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Doesn't matter not. to a team that tries to sign him this off season, but it doesn't matter to the Warriors. Yeah, I feel like they almost kind of nerfed Looney at a few points during the playoffs, just to be like, "Ooh, maybe if we can make him seem a little bit less valuable by playing him slightly less, we can manage to retain yeah. him." But there's no way. I think some him. team is going to throw him ten mil. Yeah, for sure. I I, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be in like a ten or eleven mil range myself. Yeah. Demarcus Cousins was uh, a total non-factor. I mean that he played. He was, he was there. Game. I'll give him that. He played in minutes. Yeah. On the basketball court. <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect that after that injury, but. I, I saw a tweet comparing him to Shaq on the Celtics, and yeah, I, I, I got a good photo out of that. Yeah. Like, what's the difference between these two photos? And I saw one of them said one of these guys has four rings. <laughs> That's good shit. Oh man, it's uh, fucking good. But I think they were hoping that, you know, bringing him off of the bench, he would hopefully be some scoring punch off of their bench because he because there's no scoring off of this bench. Right. Shout out to Alfonso McKinney. Man, my, my <laughs> resident warrior plays fans. so much. He, he loves Alfonso McKinney. He, he used to be my boss, but he absolutely loves Alfonso McKinney. He watches every Warriors game. Just my friend. He, he used to be my boss okay. and uh, he's a Warriors fan. Well, he's, he just doesn't claim Warriors fanhood. He claims Clay Thompson fanhood. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> but he, he loves Alfonso McKinney, too. So it'll be cool to see him get some more minutes. It'll be really cool to see Pat McCall get some more minutes, too, because he did really well in his limited time going up against his old team, fighting for that three-peat, you know, that personal three-peat. I mean, good, good for him. I don't agree. <laughs> he, got- <laughs> he had a couple of good minutes, but this put- is a- Goddamn NBA Finals. <laughs> I don't understand why Patrick McCall was getting minutes. He did not play, other than garbage time, I don't think he played at all in the playoffs. And then now you're like, mm-hmm. oh, let's put him in in a close game in the NBA Finals. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot. I'll take him over Jody Meeks. So <laughs> I'm, I'm content with just Jody. Maybe Nick playing. Nurse was like going for a, you know, maybe he'll have a revenge game. Exactly. He's just like, hey, I'm <laughs> sure you know these guys. NBA Finals Patrick McCall revenge game. <laughs> That's not a story you expected to hear. It's a story that nobody's talking about. We need to get the word out. Free Pat yeah. McCall. <laughs> but um, I, I would say, honestly, this whole series, more than anything else, more than Kyle Lowry having a decent scoring performance or not, more than Kawhi's injury, more than Boogie, or the Splash Bros, or Draymond getting triple doubles. 
is Mark Gasol. I know I'm biased as hell, but Mark having a essentially perfect game absolutely won them the game. I mean, from the moment he made that first three-pointer to get his first bucket of the game where he absolutely didn't hesitate at all, was like, oh shit, Mark is in sixth gear. I haven't seen this since the, he was in the playoffs. And then he, he got that other three-pointer just a couple minutes later where he did the exact opposite thing, where he does the thing he always does, where he catches the ball wide the fuck open, looks to his right, and then hesitates some more, and then thinks about shooting, and then shoots. Except this time, he just tapped his foot inside the line a few times to make a little dance out of it all. But if he can I'll keep give, being aggressive... I, I might give you that, really. Not despite your bias. <laughs> I mean, if he could look like 2013 Mark Gasol out there... This series is, at the very least, going to seven games. But I think it's the difference between the Raptors winning and losing the whole thing. Well, I, I agree because Marcus Saul is essentially what Al Horford was to the Boston Celtics, or I should yes. say is, unless he leaves this offseason. Yes. Um, That's a perfect comparison. He's, he's like, yeah, he's not going to put up crazy stats. He's also a poor rebounder, uh, and he's but you know he's a great passer. He can hit an open three. It's not the best shot in the world, but you're sure as hell not going to cry about it. Uh, he can post up on a mismatch. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned him being a damn good passer, but he's a damn good passer. Uh, Funky diabetic in his video about the Raptors versus the Warriors literally said that. He thinks Marcus is the best passer on the Raptors, and that's honestly not an insane opinion. Oh no, that's that's um, totally fair. Even though Kyle Lowry, you know, at multiple points this season, I don't know if he ended up being the total leader, but at multiple points over the course of the season, he was the leader in assists per game. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Mark's still a better passer. I mean, the, the, how much you average versus how talented you actually are is not, you know, one and the same. Yeah. Um, and then defensively. Mark is a fucking boss. The one problem that I was afraid would get exposed versus the Warriors, and I think they should do a better job of attacking him, is getting him out onto the perimeter and forcing him to guard Steph. Yes. that Mark versus mm -hmm. Steph is barbecue chicken. <laughs> it's the most important individual matchup of the whole series, man. I'm telling you. No. <laughs> yeah, man. Mark is... Uh, definitely not fleet of feet, uh, Fred Van Fleet of feet. <laughs> uh, but he is just fast enough to keep up and make a difference if he puts 100% effort in and doesn't have any missteps. But if he makes one mistake or slows down even a little bit, he's getting blown the fuck by or getting cooked on a step back or whatever. Like he, he had a possession versus the Bucks. I put out a whole, like, thread ranting about it. It was... I don't know if you saw it. I actually uh, did. I'd love to go back and find it after this. Well, he... There was a possession versus the Bucks. This was in crunch time. And Mark uh, handed it off to Kawhi. And then he immediately ran uh, to the right... Um, ran to the right side of the court, like not quite at the corner, but like corner mid-range. Mm -hmm. And it was an isolation, uh, Kawhi versus, I think, Middleton. Or no, I think it was Kawhi versus, uh, yeah, it was versus Middleton. And 
basically every player besides for Kawhi and Middleton are on the right side of the court. Mark very stupidly and it annoys me that he does this because he's generally such a high IQ player goes cuts into the right mid range when he should have gone to the left three, because what that did was it completely fucked the spacing to the point where Kawhi could no longer go inside. And he ended up being forced to take a bad three pointer uh, because the way it was basically uh, who was the defender? I think it was Giannis. Uh, basically could defend both Pascal in the corner and Gasol in the corner. So basically Gasol put it into the situation where uh, Brooke Lopez was able to just stand at the paint and just wait for Kawhi. Like he literally just set it up to basically force Kawhi to shoot the three-pointer. And it bothered me so much because I'm like, you're better than this, Mark. You know, but, no- I mean, they won, they won the series, so I guess it doesn't matter. No bullshit. I really think I remember the play that you're talking about and feeling similarly. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think the difference is that my interpretation of us, why the hell do they draw it up this way? But it being a a player error, it seems much more likely because Nick Nurse is a very, very smart coach. Obviously, I don't think he would make that sort of elementary mistake. I think Nick Nurse is going to win the Raptors two games on his own just by making better adjustments. Like I know, I don't coaches, know if he's that good. I mean, I know coaches <laughs> aren't that good, big of a factor in the NBA, but I think no, that's not. I, I disagree with that. Really? That's a common thing people say. I completely disagree. <laughs> See, the way I view coaches is that there is a very small handful of guys that are actually a net positive. Most of the guys don't really make a difference, and then there's another small handful of guys that actually make a, a lot of them. Their job is just to not fuck things up. Exactly. That's why that's how most of them go about their jobs. But I think there's probably five or six coaches that actually make a net positive impact. And Nick Nurse is definitely one of them. And uh, side note, Coach Budenholzer is definitely not. That I struggle with that because I do think Mike Budenholzer is a good coach. But yeah, he's a good coach. I just don't think he's a great he coach. He showed a lack of versatility in Bucks versus Raptors, like a lot. Like he saw how poorly the team was at creating shots with the Raptors defense, and he just made zero adjustment. He was just like, keep doing what we've been doing all season. It hasn't fucking worked, but I don't know. Do it again. I mean, it's like that's clearly not the game plan. What they should have done, me, the internet YouTube personality who knows more than an NBA head coach, what they should have done was... <laughs> I can feel O-Ray turning in this proverbial grave. <laughs> they should have either gotten Brogdon or Middleton in the pick and roll with Giannis. What they did so much in the regular season, and I know this because I watch a lot of Bucks games because Giannis is my favorite non-Bulls player. What they did um, during the regular season a lot was Giannis was on ball like half the time. Mm-hmm. Like, he was actually, like, the guy at the top of the key dribbling the ball, like, 50%, probably more like 40% of the time. And, mm, pizza burp. Um, we all then, know burping is permissive on the show. You didn't have to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, what, the, what they would also do is post him up, 
and get him in the pick and roll because Giannis is a phenomenal pick and roll player as the roll man for obvious reasons. But what they did so much is the Raptors would put up in versus the Raptors is they put up a wall of defense, and he just. He just, they were like, yeah, Giannis, attack this wall of defense and see what happens. And nothing happened because they weren't doing any off-ball shit with him anymore. They're just like, well, it's the playoffs. You got to give it to your best player. But Giannis ain't that type of dude. No, nah, he don't know how good he is yet. And it was obvious well, the whole conference finals. Well, it's not just about that. Oh, it definitely is partially about that. Part of the problem was Giannis is really a big man that sometimes does guard stuff. He's not a guard that does big man stuff. He's a big that does guard shit. And he put out a statement, you know, talking about how he's going to improve upon his game. He was like, I have the mentality of a big man. I need to start improving the guard aspects of my game. And I do agree with that in terms of the development of his game. But in terms of how Budenholzer should have utilized him, he should have recognized that, especially in the playoffs of all places, in the conference finals, and gotten the guy some big man plays, not this guy is Kevin Durant and Tracy McGrady and Kobe Bryant. He's not. That's not the type of dude he is. You need to run plays for him like he's Anthony Davis, except, you know, less mid-range plays. Yeah, man. If he could get some of those signature AD, Clint Capella, rim-running, pick-and-roll style plays going on with, like, Brogdon and Bledsoe over the next year or two, that would be some serious chemistry and a play that I feel like would not only get you two points over 60% of the time, but also just be something that really puts some momentum on your side of the game too. When you get a Giannis alley-oop, I don't know how well, many times. Yeah, yeah, the yeah I agree, but, but um, you could do it. They did do pick and roll stuff during the regular season. Like I said, not so much the lob stuff, but you know, just a typical 1950s pick and roll <laughs> uh, just with a seven foot alien instead of a skinny white dude um <laughs> yeah and they uh what am i trying to say here shit it's okay <laughs> okay okay i got you okay so people were talking about his playmaking and i agree the playoffs that expose that he's not quite as good as the stats would indicate because like six and a half assists per game for someone who does who dribbles the ball the amount that you know, he does is pretty damn good. But literally the area where Giannis is the best at playmaking is in the post. And they also ran very few post-ups in the playoffs. The problem was he kept damn, I shouldn't have ate pizza before this. <laughs> Just let it out, man. <laughs> the the um the problem with Giannis's playmaking in that series was that he uh, kept dribbling into this, these wall of defenders, like I said, because they had no other creative plays. And then there were so many times where he was surrounded by three dudes and forced to, you know, make a pass to, you know, out of a tough situation. You can't really blame him for not, you know, landing that well. Um, yeah. Even though I agree he's not as good as his stats indicate, it's uh, he's also not bad. Uh, the area where I, I don't know that it's where he gets most of his assists. But I'd say 90% of them come from him being at the basket, getting a double team, and then a shooter is open. It also didn't help that the Bucks shooters really didn't play that well in this series. Oh, yeah. Bledsoe especially completely shit in the bed. He looked worse than Kyle uh, Lowry. He's not, a, well, he's not a shooter. But... I mean, 
He takes them. He makes them on occasion. But I, didn't he <laughs> make oh, like is that two? Mark? Is that all the requirement to being a shooter? Then I guess Josh Smith was a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> he he wanted to be a shooter so bad. God damn. Josh Smith should have been born five years later, man. He would be an incredible stretch for in the modern NBA. But he was just ever so barely too early. Yeah. yeah. Um, Let's get back to uh, to game two predictions. Um, <laughs> before we go too deep into Josh Smith lore. Uh, I I think a, a big change that needs to happen on the Warriors side of the equation is that Draymond Green needs to play the five spot and they need to put out the death lineup and say, hey, I know y'all have the size advantage, but y'all beat the shit out of us in the fast break last game. And even though y'all are bigger, we had way more second chance points than y'all just because you didn't care to get defensive rebounds as much as we did. So... Let's beat you at your own game well, because your game is I our also, game. I also think uh, you can you can finish what you were saying. No, no, that was it. That was it. And they just need to okay. run the break more. Cut off for me. So no, they just need to run the break more. There's so many times where there's like a you start talking, but like it's delayed, and I start talking, and like oh shit, I interrupted him. It's it's awkward. Oh yeah, just a little bit. It's okay. Nothing wrong with some latency. We can edit around it. We have magic. Yeah. I just want the people at home to not know that I'm a douche, but to wait, not know that I'm a douche. Wait, what? Know that I am not a douchebag. There you go. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. You know what's funny? I heard Um, you say douche like two or three times, and immediately my brain just filled in the gap with canoe. What? You never heard douche canoe? I feel like I have, but. I I don't know what it's a reference to, but I know I've heard it. I've heard enough times that where you said douche and immediately I was just like, yeah, douche canoe. You don't want to be a douche canoe. I get it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That so, sounds like some middle school shit, but what the hell were we talking about? Uh, let's, uh, do you think Draymond should play the five more often or do you think that? Yes, uh, because I think offensively, that's a great way to attack Marcus Gasol. Get him in the pick and roll. Steph Draymond pick and roll is a deadly combination. Either Gasol has to deal with the quicker Draymond or he has to switch on to Curry, and both of those are not ideal for him. Yeah. Uh, again, I know you love Marc Gasol, but he is the most attackable player on this team for sure. Definitely. Uh, and I think the Warriors should do a better job of trying to make that happen. And I don't, I don't think that's even really a big slight at Mark Gasol. I think it's just a statement about the type of player he is. This Raptors team just happens to be full of guys who are super long and athletic. You know, Siakam is an incredible tweener. You know, Serge is still pretty quick and has lots of length and really good defensive instincts. And then Fred Van Vliet is their shortest guy. And clearly, he's not exploitable on defense. So, yeah, it really is Mark. But Mark is still an incredible defensive player. This is the only time in the past five years that the Warriors are the worst defensive team uh, when you look at defensive rating over oh, the yeah. season. Their defense has dropped off every year. It's really surprising. You would think adding a seven-footer with eight, nine-feet long wingspan who tries on defense and is actually pretty damn good would improve their defense. But it's just like... I think as the Warriors have, you know, become great, uh, their focus on like being a really good defensive team has dropped just because they're like, we got this shit. We don't need to try that hard on defense. Obviously, I don't think that's the case in the finals, and I think they can turn it up to another level, but 
I think, you know, they're not as good as they should be. Yeah. For sure. I think Draymond's going to be playing a, a really similar role to Mark on defense uh, heading more into the future because he was doing a lot of one-on-one matchups in game one. And I look to see him more often uh, kind of roaming around and being the guy who can look like he's guarding three guys at once that we all know Draymond is. And uh, yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was talking about in my Pascal tweet about Draymond is Draymond is probably hopefully this doesn't come off as an overstatement, but I think he honestly is probably the best team defender to ever live. That's fair. One-on-one, one-on-one, he is good. I'd say if if you broke him down to just his one-on-one defense, he would be like an all-defensive second-team player. Mm Mm-hmm. But like he would be like prime Trevor Ariza. That's where he is on one-on-one mm, defense. Yeah, I like that. But comp he's a lot. not. He's not all-time great one-on-one defender, and that's why I was like, Pascal is not just going to get shut down by Draymond. He's not that good one-on-one for it to be that like you know he'll be he'll be shut down. That's one of the things that like people often. You know, I've even thought this myself was like, why don't against the Cavs, like, why don't you put Draymond Green on LeBron? Clearly, he's the most physically capable, uh, but his one on one defense is not, you know, unbelievable. Yeah, where where Draymond makes his money is being that a plus plus grade help defender one on one. It's yeah. a lot closer to a maybe a plus on, you know, but maybe a Draymond is better assigned against the worst offensive player than the best. He'll have more defensive impact if he's guarding the worst player on the court than if he's playing the best. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a very well put, very well put. So, um, do you have any, um, any bona fide predictions for the series? I know you said, uh, you want it to be, Raps, but you think it's going to be Warriors um, in seven? Yeah, yeah. It's going to seven, no matter what. I don't. I I, uh, hey. had, I had the proposition put to me at a at work yesterday, where uh, one of the dudes I talk ball with most over there was saying that it would be very ceremonious and kind of nice for the Warriors to win in six and kind of send out Oracle Arena on the highest of high notes. But I was like, oh yeah, that 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 is kind of beautiful. I appreciate that. I don't want it to happen. But I see what you're saying. Who gives a shit about Oracle Arena? <laughs> Fucking move on. It's just an arena change. <laughs> Maybe that's insensitive of me. It's like the Bulls move from the United Center. <laughs> Some other like frozen yogurt title. Arena. Who gives a shit? Can, can you, uh, it's just an arena. Can you unplug and plug in your mic? It's doing the thing it does where it sounds like a bass boost meme. <laughs> That was great. It just came to who the fuck gives a fuck about Oracle Arena? <laughs> did, you, did you not hear what I said? No, I, I heard it, but it was just warbled and it was funny. <laughs> I'm leaving that in 100% for sure. It was too, too yeah, entertaining. Who gives a shit about Oracle Arena? I don't give a shit about any arena. Yeah. The yeah. only thing I'm worried about is the fact that my city would pay taxes for it. Yeah, that shit's so dumb. Shout out to uh, John Oliver for a great piece on stadiums. That's why I know that. I didn't know that existed before. Oh, yeah, man. Last week tonight, I feel like uh gets a lot of shit from people on the right for being just like a 
like, a, oh, you little liberals and your HBO show. Why don't you go do your own research? It was like, man, this is clearly really good investigative journalism and shit. Like, it's perfectly good. I, I don't understand. It would help if it. John stopped saying that he's not a journalist because it's very clear that what they do is journalistic stuff. But yeah, for sure. I mean, all the writers on his staff and, sh- and stuff are definitely doing a journalistic work. <laughs> Uh, obviously this is getting cut out <laughs> no. I, I mean you see the the real motivation behind hustle points is to eventually not have to talk about basketball anymore and to talk about shit that matters slightly more so, so, so you're gonna leave this in yes that's what that's the point i'm making huh? <laughs> yeah. all right <laughs> I, I just i opened up my video today with a political uh metaphor mm-hmm. and so I, i'm literally like i literally mentioned multiple times like Yes, this is something from reality, but please don't get butthurt in the comments. It's just a metaphor. That didn't <laughs> stop him. I don't know why I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so did you upload that LeBron video today? Yeah. Hell yeah, I'll watch it right after this. Um, so, finals predictions. I got raps in seven. Uh, if you want to get real specific about it, I think that Kevin Durant comes back and has a very, very subtle negative influence on the Warriors and ultimately cost them the championship. And that is kind of the the hump that his legacy will now be built on that he has to get over. It's like he's the least impactful superstar of all time. That's been a narrative for a few weeks now that I'm kind of yeah, into. Yeah, I think, I think that's a ridiculous statement, but... Uh. <laughs> I, just, I just think he's a little bit of a ball stopper, you know? Like, I think he's like a like a very tall. So, so are we gonna are we gonna tackle this? Uh, are the Warriors better without KD thing? Because I, yeah. I got lots to say about. Let's do this. it, man. I'm all about it because I think that while the Warriors are a better uh, 16 game team with the with Kevin Durant on there, I think over the course of the regular season, it's easy. It's you know, history shows it's easier to win when you just are <laughs> running guys off the line. You know, playing warrior style basketball. So you're pro Kevin Durant makes the Warriors worse. I think it that he makes the Warriors worse at being the Warriors, and the Warriors might be the best basketball team we've ever seen. You know, just the way they play. I uh, can agree with that. One of the main reasons that I'm anti that opinion that KD makes them worse is because if he does make them worse, I'm probably going to kill myself. Because um, <laughs> that means once he leaves, they're going to be even fucking more unbeatable. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I don't agree on that. And here's why. I think too many people confuse Steph and Clay playing better for the Warriors playing better. I think the unbeatable factor with the Warriors, the like, what the hell are we going to do about this factor does not exist with Kevin Durant sitting on the sidelines. That exists when you're like, you're looking at Stephen Curry, two-time MVP, greatest shooter of all time, average 30 points per game on 40, 50, 90 fucking shooting splits. And then you see, oh yeah, here's Kevin Durant, 2014 MVP, potentially the greatest scorer of all time. And then you still got to deal with Clay Thompson, who is probably the greatest hot hand to ever live, and Draymond Green's great playmaking and defense. Like, I think you can deal with 
Steph, because you only got to deal with one superstar if Steph is the only guy for the Warriors, unless Clay has one of his signature, what, how the hell, what the fuck, holy shit nights. Right. right. <laughs> the unbeatability factor only exists with Kevin Durant. Is he a bit of a ball stopper? Yes, 100%. Does the Warriors system not run quite like it did in 2016 with Kevin Durant? 100%. But you're willing to sacrifice those things to have the potentially best player in the league on your team. Yeah, that's the thing about Kevin Durant is that like he has all the tools. He is everything you would ever want out of virtually any basketball player, you know? And yet somehow it it appears as if the team gets worse when he's on the floor with them, even though it's obvious that he's not, you know, I've hedged on it a lot and I don't sincerely believe that they are worse off uh, with KD out there. Cause that's just, it's borderline incoherent, but I do think that the warriors has a certain element to it that is essential. And when you insert Kevin Durant into that equation, it kind of taints that. And it turns into something else. And I yeah. would rather the Warriors be the Warriors than be the Kevin Durant Warriors. The Warriors have the second best team ball that I have ever seen. The best being the 2014 Spurs. Mm, uh, yeah. But the team ball of the Warriors is not better than Kevin Durant Warriors. Even if it's more fun and it appears like it's going better it's very clear that they're better with Kevin Durant to me. And yeah. I think, you know, I've been struggling for a video topic and boom, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, wraps in seven. Uh, the, the Warriors in seven. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, this has been a really, really fucking fun show. I think this is a, one of the, well, honestly, one of the best episodes I've I've ever had. Just because this, yeah, this, I, I killed it. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all you. I have I have nothing to do with the success of my show. One hundred percent.